0: Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of New Scientist Weekly. I'm Rowan Hooper. Now today's show is about electricity in the human body. The cover of New Scientist magazine this week has this amazing image of a silhouette of someone glowing with sort of neon power. And the headline is Electric You, how the electricity inside you shapes your body and your health. Now you might think, all right, I know there's electricity in me. You know, that's how nerve cells communicate with each other. But it goes much further than this. And I have to say, I was shocked when I found out the extent of the electricity in the body. Uh, so to talk about this, we're joined by chief magazine editor, Kat Delange, and writer Sally Aidy. Welcome both. Hi. Nice Hi. To see
1: you.
0: Now, Sally's a former colleague of ours, and um, you've written this cover story, and you've written a whole book about it called We Are Electric, The New Science of Our Body's Electrome. So Sally, better set us up here. What is the electrome?
1: So, I guess the electrome is one of the <laughs> one of the many ohms, but um, what it refers to is all the electrical properties and dimensions of the body's cells and tissues. And there are a lot more of those than I think most people appreciate. And people in the field of bioelectricity are it's this word is starting to bubble up more and more as people are trying to describe, I guess, sort of an umbrella term that can encompass all these different findings from different areas of biology, where you've got, obviously, everybody knows about the action potential in neuroscience, and how important electrical currents are to making sure that the signals travel between the brain and the extremities and back. But There's so much more, you know, it's not and and even within neuroscience, there are new things being discovered about the extent of electrification, for example, the fact that nerves actually innervate the uh, visceral organs, which people are trying to have been trying to exploit for the past like 10 or so years, people like Kevin Tracy, trying to figure out if you can stimulate a nerve, the vagus nerve, to try to tamp down symptoms of Crohn's disease, even which, you know, we just don't really associate that with, the we haven't classically associated that with the nervous system, but it goes so much deeper than that. You know, it goes to development, you know, wound healing, regeneration, even cancer. Uh, Mike Levin, who's sort of, you know, I guess like the Paul Erdos of like bioelectricity, because he's published with everybody. He's just sort of like a the, the central hub, I would say, in this big sort of network of bioelectricity researchers. He likes to say that all of these problems you know how to reconstruct a wound whether or not you can regenerate a limb how you're shaped in the in the womb as you develop and cancer they all boil down to the same fundamental question of how does a collection of agents collaborate into a functioning tissue or a functioning body
0: but sally how did you get into all this in the first place i mean you know it seems like you're kind of ahead of the curve, or you're catching the curve at the, at the perfect moment now, it's all over the place. But how did you first get into it?
1: Well, I went, um, so for a new scientist, I went and reported on a study that they were doing at DARPA. So DARPA being? Oh, sorry, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency at the US Defense Department. Yeah. They were looking at how um, surface electrodes applied to the brain could accelerate learning. And so I went and I... it myself because i was like i don't know who i can talk to about this like they want to let me talk to the soldiers who are doing this
0: when they say accelerate learning they, they they kind of mean make super soldiers right
1: well, sure. I mean, what they were saying is that you know they would take the time to learn marksmanship and cut it in half. So from novice to and you tried
0: this, right? You I literally did tried this with an M sixteen or whatever right?
1: M four. It was a modified assault rifle, not actually shooting rounds. It was uh, CO two cartridges. But I, and I was in a big sort of training simulation. Yeah, but um, it worked like amazingly on me, and it didn't just like help me do this. I, I was a terrible person at first person shooters, and then all of a sudden. I was amazing and just like really focused. But like for three days afterwards, it just like changed things in my head. It just changed like the elevator music in my head from like Mm. constant self-recrimination and just like bitching (laughs) to just nothing. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you could just go through life and do stuff without first doing the whole dance of like, I'm going to be terrible at this. (laughs) It was amazing. But then like, so I reported on it for a new scientist and people were just like, at first people were like, wow, you know, artificial Zen." And then after that, a lot of people started doing studies that were just like, this is actually snake oil. Like, you know, we found that like applying electricity to a cadaver does nothing to the neurons. So then I started getting paranoid. And I was like, did I just like fall for the placebo effect? And then I started looking into like, well, okay, so what is this actually supposed to be doing? Because I had been focusing on, you know, correlates of the flow state and blah, blah, blah. And like, Uh, Whenever I would say, "Well, what does it actually do to your brain?" they were like, "Oh, well, neurons that fire together wire together. So we're going to making them more likely to fire together." And I, you know, sometimes it's a little bit humbling when you're just like, "Oh, I've just written this whole thing without knowing what any of this means." (laughs) And so I was like, "All right, what does it actually mean?" And then I had to start learning about (laughs) ion channels. I was like, "Oh God." Then I found out about like old controversies. But then it was just like, "Well, if surface stimulation is snake oil, then how come?" if you just put them deeper into the brain, like Parkinson's disease, everyone agrees that that is like settled science, that that works. How can it be nonsense in one application, but gold standard in another? So I started falling down this rabbit hole. And then finally, I think it clicked when I had the sort of whoa realization that ion channels aren't just in the nervous system, they're everywhere. And then I started finding all these old papers and like, Nobody had written about this. Nobody wrote about, like, Lionel Jaffe, the guy who sort of kickstarted this whole field in the 1960s. Nobody writes about any of this outside the nervous system. So I was like, yeah. I want to make the origin story, you know? It's that
0: time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.
2: that you wrote for us is brilliant. Two things really jumped out at me. And one was the role of electricity in in development. And you talked about frog embryos and how there's these kind of flashes of electrical activity that seem to be a precursor to then mapping out where the eyes and the ears and the the mouth are going to be.
1: Yeah, it's like a blueprint that the body is, because, you know, there's nothing spatial in the genome. There's nothing, like, you've got, like, eye color and hair color and height and everything, but there's nothing about, like, okay, well, put the two eyes on the front of the face and, like, about this far apart and, like, you know, put the butt in the back and the feet in the front and stuff. You know, like, there's just no, the genome can't tell left from right. So how is this information encoded? And thanks for that cue, Kat, because that takes me back to the question that I should have answered of Rowan's, (laughs) which was... What is the electrome, and I think in some ways the electrome is a way of looking at how all the different other ohms are connected to each other because it's it really deals with the forces that govern how particles I guess assemble themselves, and so that's where the importance of the electrome is. And like, you can probably hear the hesitation in my voice because as soon as I said forces, I was like, ooh, because there's so much quackery and there always has been about like, oh, you know, magnetism. I mean, obviously Mesmer was the first quack who like sort of came in with electromagnetism. But this book was basically trying to rescue bioelectricity research and create, I guess, like a compendium of the really rigorous studies that are taking place now that have been tarnished by like 200 years of electroquackery.
0: I was wondering about how, I mean, does the genome code for the electrome? Because, you know, you were saying how it's been a like this yeah, massive that problem. That was my
2: question. Like these electrical flashes, how do they know? Like what's coding for those? Like where, where do they come from?
1: That is such a good point because ion channels are proteins, of course. And it's kind of a which came first, the chicken or the egg thing. So what happens is when you have a zygote, one of the first things that happens is that The ion channels that are completely smoothly distributed on an egg, once the egg is fertilized, there's a strange thing that happens is that these ion channels, they all drift toward one side of the zygote, forming this little tight click, right? And that changes the electric currents that are flowing through the zygote, which then just like is something that instantiates this entire downstream cascade of where and how certain ion channels pop up. So it almost is like telling the ion channels where on the egg to go. That's not a genome thing. That's something that happens because of an electrical current and a voltage, which is like yes, like ion channels are proteins, but where to put them is not determined by the proteins themselves. This is a matter of an electrical property of the cell. Again, also one thing that's really important is that it's really early days for a lot of this stuff. I mean, they've The research has accelerated incredibly. Just in the past 50 years was the invention of the first tool that could really show you the electrical properties of a cell, the patch clamp. Uh, But then, you know, since then, we've had this like explosion of tools. We've got, you know, just my favorite ones are the vibrating probe, which is not what you think it is. It's like a way of measuring... like steady currents, not just like the spiky action potentials. You've also got voltage reporter dyes, which did the thing that you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, which measured the blueprint, the electrical blueprint that flashes across a developing embryo before the actual physical facial features form there. You've also got ion channel drugs, which is like, you know, that's the part that's really crazy is that you can actually start to influence and manipulate the electron. But I mean, you know, in, in, 1823 is basically when we started having the very first electrometer. So you've got this first crude tool that can actually tell you what's going on. Right. And by the end of the 19th century, everything was completely lit up. You know, you've got telegraphs and, you know, you've got electrified lighting, all of this so much so that like the 19th century, they call it the electric century. And by 2023 we've already got stuff that can like actually change the voltage of cells so much that it kicks tumors into reverse because the membrane voltage is able to instantiate these downstream effects.
2: Well that's what that was the other thing that I really wanted to ask you about from from the article this idea that cancer uses electricity
1: that tumors use electricity to
2: to metastasize I mean that blew my mind.
1: No, it's it's really wild. There's actually an ion channel cancer symposium in April that I'm trying to go to, because like, there are papers coming out now that are really interesting that are showing that people who are on certain ion channel blockers, which they normally are used for nervous system conditions like um, epilepsy or heart arrhythmias. But people who are on these early, again, early days, but again, we're only in the 1823s of the, you know, the bioelectric century. So I mean, it's it's early days, but I mean, it's all pointing in a really intriguing direction. So cancer cells, it seems, they have a de novo ion channel that happens that creates spiking activity, much like uh, nerve cells. Normally, you know, healthy cells they don't spike like that, but cancer cells do. This is Mustafa Jamgaz's theory. He's at um, Imperial College, and this is something that he figures out in like the nineties and people are just like, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) This is totally wrong and bizarre. And he sort of hung in there and now it's more and more accepted that there is electrical activity that these cells use in order to communicate with each other and decide whether to start behaving invasively. And so this is all correlative, you know, nobody did this study to figure out like whether he's right, but separately, they're looking at things that dampen down spiking activity in like epilepsy, irregular spiking activity in the brain. And people who are taking these, when they get cancer, they seem to be more likely to survive it. And there's another paper that just came out recently that is replicating it. It looks at this data and like is looking specifically for this data, um, not just as an interesting point, but just zeroing in more on how usable it is. And they did some fancy statistics work that I don't understand, but that other researchers tell me was really, really good. And they were able to find that a heart arrhythmia drug was particularly effective at it seemingly extending people's lives who were. But of course, here's like in my book, I'm sort of fall all over myself to caveat like this is not the time to start taking like random ion channel blocker drugs. It's just that this is the sort of thing that I'm really excited about. And the, probably overexcited about as one review.
0: But it's, well, no, I mean, it's super exciting stuff. I mean, God, there's so much in it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like an advocate, although I'm totally an advocate. But it, it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I should just be honest. But I, I think that one thing that's so important is that we need to collect all of this stuff. We need to put these things into one coherent discipline, an umbrella discipline.
2: Because there's no bioelectric, you know, department at the university, right? Or when you're you're studying, you don't go and do a degree in bioelectronics.
1: I don't even know what it would be called. Yeah, no, it's, and, and bioelectronics is another aspect of it is the technology, but to manipulate the bioelectric code or whatever. But what you want is to just like get really serious about the basic science, which means you have to start, you have to put the horse before the card you know you have to start studying the electron before you start like making all kinds of tech that messes with it because if you don't understand these basics and how they connect up with each other then you risk you know the sort of 19th century all over again which is you know what sort of ruined bioelectricity's reputation in the first place as I detailed in Mm. the book (laughs) you obviously write so much
2: sci-fi for us and I think that this what you write about in your book it has so much potential to really change a lot a lot so I kind of just wanted to ask you like what is the looking to the future how do you think what's the most the wildest kind of application of this or where do you think it's really going to go
1: I think it's hard to speculate wildly but I would say you know even now wound healing is going to be the first thing to change like they're looking at trying to get there's a DARPA project trying to get soldiers trying to get some sort of kit that would vastly accelerate the speed of like a really deep like hardcore like catastrophic wound on the battlefield that you could just do there not like you know the whole recuperation thing i mean that's so they're investigating like the electrum's power over the other aspects of wound healing the inflammation and like they're trying to figure out at what stage you tweak the electrum you know what about
0: accelerated learning you know, like, like you're saying with the learning to learning marksmanship, are there, are there applications like that that will make us into, you know, better people?
1: Super learners. Well, um, uh, oh, I have many opinions on that. But I think that uh, we've um, oversold a little bit how much we think we know about the brain, just because we're we know about like bioelectricity, we understand how sort of neurons fire together. But that's the that's a higher level than the underlying sort of Ion channels. That's a that's a whole conversation. But yeah, I mean, I think that changing the body plan is the wildest possible application of this, that you really could just start tinkering with what nature has given us. And, you know, I think with regeneration, so as Mike Levin also likes to say, like instead of like painstakingly building like a hand, if you've lost a hand, for example, instead of like trying to you know, take care of all the particulars with like stem cells and scaffolding and stuff. You could just like kickstart the developmental program possibly just to be like, look, just build me another one from scratch. And then you just let the body take care of it. Like you're a salamander, basically.
0: Um, look, we'll leave it there. Thank you, Sally. This, there's so much to talk about. We could have carried on for ages. And there's more in this uh, Electric You issue of New Scientist, which is out now. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And of course, is Sally's book also out now. We Are Electric, The New Science of Our Body's electron Thank you, Sally. And thanks, Kat. And thanks to you for listening. And we'll be back on the weekly show soon. Bye for now. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at
2: ogpodcasts.co.uk.